We're in a season called the best sermon ever, and we're talking about, and I'm going to do this in, in 20 minutes. I'll cut the message down. It, it's, it's really pretty clear. It's Matthew 7, 1 through 6. But here's the overall season. Jesus preached a sermon in Matthew 5 through 7. And in the sermon, he starts out Matthew 5, 3 through 10, 3 through 9 or 10. I can't remember which one. Um, it is the Beatitudes. It is the Christian ethos. It is our ethic. It is who we are who we're called to be, and who we, who we are to be to the world. And when we live out the Beatitudes, when we live out who he's called us to be, which are quite countercultural, really, if we live those out in the world, he says, you will become what you are called to be. If you're a Christian and you're saying, who am I? What am I supposed to be? What should I look like? How should I live? He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of of the world. We become the salt of the earth and we become the light of the world when we are living the Beatitudes, the Christian ethos that Jesus laid out for us. What is our ethic? What is our code of character? How do we live our daily lives? How do we conduct ourselves? How do we interact with other people? How do we interact at work? How do we handle trials? How do we handle good times? How do we handle bad times? How do we handle persecution? Who am I to the core is the Beatitudes. He's saying, this is who you are. If we were structuring it like a sermon, the Beatitudes are the scripture. So Jesus is saying, here's your scripture. Here's who you become. You become salt and light. And then he takes us through a bunch of examples of application for this. One being in Matthew 7, 1 through 6. And here's what I just want to warn you with. I want to warn you that I will probably, most likely, offend you. Um, and I've told you before, I'm an equal opportunity offender, right? So I don't mean just a certain side of people I'm going to offend. I'm probably going to offend everybody in here. And, and here, is, here is what I want you to do while you listen to this. I want you to ask yourself, is my flesh offended or is my spirit offended? Is my flesh frustrated right now? Is my flesh crawling and I'm ready to, uh, you are already like, whoa, like what is he going to do? Or, or some are like, man, bathroom break, I'll be back in 40 minutes when it's over, right? Uh, what, what, is, what is offended about you? Because Jesus rolls into, I, I don't know, and I said this at the very beginning, and I've been praying this all week, and I've been preparing my spirit for this, and I want to share this with you. I don't know this is, a, this is a message that we want, particularly, I don't think we want this. I think we desperately desperately need this all everybody i think we need it okay so what is it here it goes and you'll know right where i'm headed matthew 7 1 through 6 do not judge or you too will be judged dang it i already know what we're talking about for in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you he gives us an example. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye, do not give dogs what is sacred 
and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Let me share with you what I'm going to give you today really quickly. Number one, I'm going to give you the clarity of what it means to say, do not judge or you will be judged. So I'm going to let you know very clearly what that means. Second, we're going to walk through this example of sawdust in someone's eye and a plank in my own eye. And then, and this is where we need to connect, I'm going to take it all the way back around to a piece of application, okay? But before we go, um, I need to share with you a story. And if your kids aren't in kids ministry, you may have some explaining to do afterwards. No, don't worry. I'm not talking about December 25th or anything like that, right? But um, this is the only thing I could think of that really illustrated this. When I was uh, 18 years old, I started working as a waiter at a restaurant. And while I was at the restaurant working, the, the guy who was deemed the trainer over me uh, and became my boss of the shift that I served, he became a real good friend of mine. I actually really liked him. He was like three or four years older than I was. And he was funny, he was quick-witted, he was sarcastic, he was super helpful, and just a great person to work with. And it was about two to three months where we worked together, and we became pretty good friends. I, I considered him a friend, like probably my, my best friend at work. I really liked him. And then all of a sudden, um, I walked into the break room one day, and he and another girl that we worked with were watching a video on his phone, and she made the comment, you perform better than I do. And I was like, what? Let me, and he, they're like, oh, nothing, no big deal. And I was like, no, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he was like, okay, here. And he turned his phone around, and um, <laughs> let, me, let me just say this, by the way. I consider myself to be a pretty discerning guy, right? I think I've got pretty good discernment. I think I can, I can see, and the Spirit leads, and those things. I did not see this coming whatsoever turns his phone, and he's dressed as a woman singing at a place called the Rainbow Club. Hello, right? Wow, surprise. I, I saw it, and I was like, that kind of looks like you. Is that your sister? Oh, my gosh, that is you. What are you doing here? And he told me um, about his alternative lifestyle. And I will tell you something. At 18 years old, I needed this message desperately because here's what happened in my soul. I was going to, I was in a denominational church going to a denominational Bible college that would have described that individual as an abomination, that would have described him as wicked, that would have described him as someone who was unsafe to be around, and yet in my heart, I'm thinking, I've built a friendship with this person for over three months, yet there was this tendency now, after I discovered that, to, to put this judgment on this person in such a way that I was questioning whether or not I could be in relationship with them. You know this tension if you've, if you've walked in any of these relationships. You know this tension if you stood on this side politically and then you found out someone that you work with was on this side politically and then all of a sudden you were saying, well, can I still be friends with them? Do I still even like this person now? 
Like, we've been friends for five years, and all of a sudden, they voted this way, and they wore this mask, and they wore this t-shirt, and they wore this sticker, and I voted this way, and I wore this t-shirt, and I wore this mask, and I wore this sticker, and now, what had been a several years of building a relationship, of growing together, is now called into question over one of these moments where you're wondering if you have to insert yourself over them as judge. That's a tension. That's a very real tension. Listen, we live in an age right now of cancel culture where I will tell you, I'll define it as this. We got a bunch of people running around as judges and nobody using judgment. We have a bunch of people that are the judge of everything. They are the judge of everyone. They are the judge of this. They are the judge of that. They are the judge of this. And we will cancel you. We will place judgment over you. And we will put verdict over you before we even begin to use an ounce of judgment. That's what cancel culture is right now. So it's how I have been canceled by Anything and everything and everyone in between. One of these days, I'm going to put my emails up here and let you just read the emails that come in. I, I, within 15 minutes, I got two emails. One from one person thanking me and appreciating safety measures. And, and man, we're so grateful for a church in our town that's doing this. And another one, 15 minutes later, it says, I was muzzling the worship of God that I should be ashamed of myself. I've quenched the Holy Spirit and I'll never grace the doors of this church again. It is like a bunch of judges... No judgment. Jesus addresses this tension right here in Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Let me walk you through this, okay? And again, op just open your heart to this. Open your heart to God's word and receive what God wants to speak to you about judge and judgment, okay? This is Matthew 7, 1 through 2. This is where Jesus says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. So walking around, canceling everything, judging everyone, you're going to experience the same thing. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Here's what I want to give you. Some supporting verses on do not judge. Okay? These are supporting scripture. We interpret scripture with scripture, right? So Luke 6, 37, do not judge. This is Jesus again, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Romans 2, 1 says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. It is amazing to me the amount of people that love to pass judgment but never self-evaluate. Love to point their finger, love to do this, love to do that, but never look at their lives and say, wow, i got a few things too. i got a couple things going on. James 4.11, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And when you judge the law, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. Romans 14.10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? Why do you judge them and treat them like they're less than you? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Okay, so we have this, 
this supporting theme of do not judge. Yet at the same time, and I love how Jesus inserts this. Matthew 7, verse 6. He inserts a verse that is, if, if he could say it any simpler, it would be, but hey, don't forget to use judgment. So let me read this to you. Matthew 7, verse 6. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. In other words, he's saying, do not judge, but use Judgment. Let me read you some supporting scripture on using judgment. John 7, 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Philippians 3, 2 says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. We're to use judgment on people that mean us harm. 1 John 4, verse 1 says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you want to summarize this sermon in a sentence, here you go. He's saying, don't judge, but use judgment. Don't judge anything and everything and anyone and everyone, but use judgment. Judgment. Here's the difference. Being the judge is putting yourself in the place of God. Being the judge is putting yourself in the place of God over somebody else. Using judgment is allowing God to be judge, which frees you up to be salt and light. You see the difference? If not, I'll, I'll be happy to illustrate it for you here in a moment. Be, being judge means you are trying to be God, means you are condemning the person. You are, you are laying into the person and labeling them something. Using judgment is recognizing what is going on and allowing God to be the judge so that you can be salt and light. In other words, saying something is wrong or sinful or dangerous is using good judgment. Hey, that's... that's that is wrong, that's sinful, and I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from that. I'm not going to be a tr part of that. that. That's using good judgment. Saying someone is sinful, they're wicked, they're no good uh, failure, and they're, they're not worthy to be around you or in your presence or, or near you or treating them as such, that is being the judge. That's trying to be the judge. In fact, let me give you four examples. Here's where I'm going to offend you. I'm going to give you four real examples from our church in our church that have happened. Number one is this. A woman came in wearing inappropriate outfit, wearing inappropriate clothing. It was an actual college kid um, and had inappropriate clothing on and someone took it into their hands to be the judge. And what does the judge do? The judge says that person is sleazy, that person is easy, that person is trashy, that person is probably unfaithful and probably won't be faithful to their husband in the future because they dress like that, right? That, that's what a judge does. Ooh, I bet, I bet she's doing that too. I bet she's not really following Jesus. How can she worship and wear those clothes in church? That's, that's what a judge does, right? What does judgment do? Judgment says, man, I hurt for her. Probably doesn't know What's going on? I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to open a door so maybe I can encourage her, but who am I to judge her heart? Because she may wear that, but I may wear things on the inside of my heart that are just as bad. I may have things going on right here that are just as, as sinful. That's what judgment 
does. Ooh, here's a good one. Friend of mine. A black man in our church who supports Black Lives Matter. What does a judge do? Here's what a judge says. That is the definition. I've heard this before, by the way. That is the definition of what is wrong in our country right now. Living off the government, starting riots, stirring up trouble, and trying to corrupt the Christian values of this nation. That those people right there, they are the problem. That's what a judge does. What is judgment? Judgment is this. I don't agree with the values of the organization. I don't need to tell you that. I mean, you can look at the values of the organization. But, but I don't agree with the values of the organization. But I can mourn and I can hurt and I can sympathize with a brother in Christ who's a friend of mine who in the first grade went to school and had his best friend come to school and look at him and say, I can't be friends with you anymore because my dad said I can't be friends with N-words because all you guys do is cause trouble. Can we mourn with that? Can we be heartbroken over that? Can we see the hurt? And yeah, of course I understand why he's hurting. Of course I understand why he's mourning. Of course I understand. It doesn't mean that I become... Here's what judges do. Judges will assign you with what you mourn with. I can mourn with somebody. That doesn't mean that I'm a card-carrying member of this. I, I only, I only, I'm only a member of the kingdom of God. I'm a member of Christ. I will mourn with you if you have been unjustly profiled. I will mourn with you if you've been hurt. I will mourn with you if, if sinful things have happened to you and favoritism and injustice have happened to you. And that doesn't mean that all of a sudden I'm part of this unless you're a judge and you assign that to me. That's what we're talking about here. Being a judge versus using judgment. Okay, here's a- another one. The vaccine police, right? I heard this recently, that everyone who is not getting vaccinated is a Trump-supporting right-wing Republican that doesn't care about anybody but themselves and is all for people dying of COVID. That's judge. It's you saying, I know what's right and I know what's wrong and I will put this on every single person I come in contact with. Or what is judgment? Judgment is... I'm not an expert in medicine, nor am I an expert in vaccines. And I may see things differently here, but who am I to judge somebody else for what they do or don't put into their body? That's, that's just judgment. That's not walking around judging. If that just twinges your flesh a little bit, why? What's the judgment that you carry on those people? There's a difference in being a judge and using judgment. Woo, you all are quiet. Quiet enough to give you one more. I got a friend who said to me one time, he said, hey, he said, please don't get mad at me in worship at church. I said, okay. And he said, listen, I, I sit down during worship and I pull my hat down over my face. And he said, I don't do that because I don't care about worship. He said, I do that because I can't stop crying sometimes. Because God's touching my heart. And he's ministering to me through worship. What does a judge do? A judge walks in and a judge says, person needs to stand up and show God some honor in this place and get that hat off in the house of the Lord. What is wrong with that person, right? What does judgment do? Judgment says, I have no idea what's going on there. 
I have no idea how the Lord's working. And maybe instead of judging them and deciding in my own mind and in my own heart what's actually going on there, I should take a moment after church and introduce myself to that person. And just say, hey. And let them experience someone in church that loves them on a Sunday. There is a difference between being the judge and using judgment. Let me read to you this study. It was done by Mark Allen Powell. He's a New Testament scholar. He wrote the textbook introducing the New Testament, which almost every seminary in the country uses. So this is a super, super smart guy. He did a study on Bible reading, and he took what he called mature, well-learned Christians, people who had studied the Bible and read the Bible. He took pastors, and he took teachers of the Bible, and he had them read the Bible, and then he did a study, and he said almost every single time they identified with Jesus in the text. So then he took some people who weren't learned Christians, as he said. They were people who didn't read the Bible. They were new to the faith, new to Christianity. And he gave them a Bible, and he had them read it. And he did the same study, and he said almost every single time those people who didn't know the Bible well and didn't know Christianity well identified with characters in the Bible. And here was his conclusion. He said, it is conclusive beyond a shadow of a doubt that the more you grow in your faith and the more you learn about Christianity, the more likely you are to think of yourself as God. The more likely you are to identify yourself as Jesus and not Peter. As Jesus, the one who's got it figured out, and not Peter, the one who royally screwed up. The more, the more you are to identify as God than you are David. Not the man who failed, but the man who was watching over the failure. So what are we? Who are we? And where do we land on this thing of being a judge versus using judgment? Here, here's what I want to do. I want to roll into the illustration. I had a story I was going to share. We're, we're way over. Uh, let me share with you this illustration really quickly that Jesus gives. Jesus says this is how he fixes it. And by the way, uh, if you're sitting there thinking, oh man, I, I'm a little bit of a judge. So am I. We all are. It is a sin nature of ours to think that we're better than other people and, and pass judgment on people and shove our opinions down other people's throats, right? So here's how Jesus fixes this thing. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is this plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus, and, and by the way, the Greek word for speck is sawdust. The Greek word for plank is joist or beam that holds a building together. So in other words, Jesus is saying, how can you worry about sawdust in somebody's eye when you have a beam going through your head? You have a giant beam splitting through. And then this is what he says. He says, if you deal with the beam first, then you are equipped to help another brother. If you deal what's going, with what's going on here, you deal with what's going on here, you deal with what God is doing in you first, then you are equipped to help another brother. This is embarrassing for me to admit, but do you know who I was before I had kids? I was that guy who wasn't real crazy about them. <laughs> I, 
I mean, I really was. I, I, didn't, I did not hold other people's kids, no interest whatsoever. I'm like, oh, cute baby, look at this. Like, Have fun with your baby. I don't want to hold your kid. I don't. In fact, my child was only the, the second or third kid I had ever held in my life, and the other ones I was related to. And I held them for like two seconds and then handed them off. I, I didn't want to hold other people's kids. I wasn't crazy about other kids. I was that guy who got on the airplane, and when I was walking down and I saw my seat and I saw a row of kids, I would say, oh, excuse me, ma'am, do you, do you have like a seat somewhere else? Because, you know, there's, there's kids right there, and they're, they're loud. They're obnoxious. They drop things. They want more peanuts. They spill their drinks. It's annoying. I have headphones, but they don't work. They're like headphone immune. They just cut through everything. Do you have another seat? That, that was me. Promise you. I, I was the guy who would go to restaurants, and they would see, start to seat me at a booth, and I would be like, no, nah, that, that's not going to work. They, they don't know how to control their kids right there. Like, I would rather have a booth far, far away. Do you have a bar? I'll sit in the bar. That's probably adults, right? Because I don't want to be around their kids, right? I would just stare as their kids destroyed the booth. So distracted. Like, what, is, what are those parents even thinking, right? Where is the order? Where is the structure? No lie. I was the guy who went to the movie theater, and if I sat down and there were kids in there crying, I would go out, and I would complain to the movie theater staff, and I would say, hey, listen, these kids in there are ruining the movie. Do something about it or refund my ticket, because I didn't come here to listen to kids cry. It was me. It's totally me. So, um, guess what I have now? <laughs> guess, guess. I've got a support beam of crazy children going through my head. I have it straight through one eye and out the back of my head. So now, guess what I am? I'm the most gracious human in the world when it comes to kids. I, if you've got kids and they're going nuts, you don't bother me a bit. It, it doesn't even phase me. I'm just thankful it's, it's not mine, it's yours, right? <laughs> it does not even, I don't even, I was literally standing in self-checkout the other day, and this woman had this kid in this basket, and it, the kid was going, it was a basket case, right? And the kid was going nuts, like out of control crazy. And I was standing there waiting for her to check out. And you know what I did? Me, the guy who wants nothing to do with other people's kids. I stepped from, you know, the six feet markers, like, ooh, here we go, what's going to happen, right? And I stepped from one to the other, and I, I looked down, and I said, hi, hi. And the kid goes, yeah. And I'm like, boo, how are you? And I, I sat there, and I played with the kid for a minute, and the mom was, was beep, 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 just scanning all her groceries. And then she looked at me, and she was like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Thank you. And I was like, I don't know what's happened to me. Holy Spirit, just touched my heart and like changed me because I did not want this, but now I have this. And now that I have this, I can be gracious to you because of this. That's what removing the plank is, right? That's what removing the plank is. And then I can offer help and then I can be assisted. And then guess what I can be? Salt and light. When the plank is gone, I can be salt and light. When the plank is gone, I can be gracious. When the plank is gone, I can be helpful. When the plank is gone, I can be loving. I can be merciful. I can be a peacemaker. I can, be, I can comfort those who are mourning. I can be poor in spirit and recognize I just need more of the Lord in my life. When the plank is gone, I can help you with sawdust. But until the plank is gone, all I am is a judge. Walking around pointing Fingers. So that's the illustration that Jesus gives us. And now, two points. I'll just read them to you, and then we're out of here. 
Here's what you need to know. Here's what we can pull from this, right? Because we've been on the one side where I've just been hammering you about being judgmental, right? Okay, here's what this means. That anyone else in your life, anyone in your life that has passed judgment on you was not qualified to do so. Anyone in your life that has condemned you for this, they've condemned you for this, they've condemned you for that, they have called you this, they have labeled you this, they are not qualified to do so. I know so many people that are living under the wound of a childhood label or of a childhood name or of something that someone pronounced over them or a pastor that called them something. And so many people are living under the oppression of that. When James 4.12 says there is only one lawgiver and judge. One. There's only one. And he said, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Those who have condemned you. Those who have stood as judge over your life and spoken sin and negativity over you were not qualified to do so. And then we roll into the second point. Our judge, the one judge, the holy judge, here's what he desires. Freedom. The verdict that the true judge over your life wants for you is freedom every single time. John 12, 47. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. Listen, this is Jesus talking. If they hear my words and they don't keep them, I don't judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. I want to save the people that deserve judgment. I want to save people as their judge. It's my goal. It's my vision. It's my ambition. So we have to quit living under the oppression of judges, unjust, false judges that have labeled us something, and we have to start living in the freedom that God has given us. Two-minute story, and we're out of here. Um, I am, I'm doing a... a doctorate at Southeastern University, right? That just sounds far cooler and makes me sound a whole lot smarter than I actually am. I will be honest with you. Um, I, I, I didn't just all of a sudden get smart. I just quit believing I was stupid. And there's a huge difference, and I'll tell you where it started. When I was in third or fourth grade, can't remember what it was, um, my, I have two older brothers who, uh, whew, you talk about trouble, they, they paved a path of destruction before me, right? And so the teacher, he got to call roll, and he started calling roll, and he said, Cunningham. He said, Luke Cunningham. And I said, here. And he said, oh, man, are you related to Tom and Jeff? And I said, yeah, they're my older brothers. And he said, well, my goodness, I might as well send you to the office now. He said, do you, do you want me to flunk you now, or do you want me to flunk you when it's actually time to do it? Guess what I, guess what I became in that class? Trouble. Guess what I did? Failed. Guess what I did? Everything that he labeled me, everything that he placed on me, everything that he judged me with, that's, that's what I did. And then one day the Lord spoke to my heart because I, I found myself call, saying, I'm too stupid to do that. I'm too stupid to do that. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that's a label you've lived under for too long. Fix it. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'll fix it. How do you want me to fix it? <laughs> Go get a doctorate. What? No, that's not me. That's exactly why I want you to do it. You see, when we break these things of judgment over our lives, we can excel to the levels that God's called us to. 
So what is the ceiling of judgment that you're living under? What is the ceiling of oppression that you're living under? What is the label that you're living under that somebody called you, somebody spoke over you, or somebody said that you were? Because whoever said it wasn't looking for your freedom. Our judge longs for our freedom. 